Welcome to Badass Body Workers. We are an empowering community of inspirational female body workers who help you overcome the fears, excuses, doubts, blocks, and obstacles in your way so you can create the prosperous business and fulfilling career that you deserve. Join me and my powerhouse colleagues to learn the secrets to success that you never learned in school so that you can thrive rather than just survive in the spa and wellness industry. We appreciate your support by subscribing and pushing play. Let's get started. So today's podcast episode is going to be a little bit different. I got really raw and vulnerable with a mentor and friend of mine, and he did a card reading for me. This particular card reading was done with a Toltec deck, which really resonates with me because ever since I was a child, I've always had an obsession and fascination with Mesoamerica. So his reading really hit the nail on the head for me. It's something super personal and vulnerable that I wanted to share with my community. So I do hope that you enjoy this podcast episode. It gives a little bit of insight into what's going on into my world and the transitions and the new chapters that I am going through. So I do hope you enjoy. And if you are interested in contacting him for your very own reading, I will be putting his information down in the show notes. With further ado, let's dive in. Okay, Rebecca. So this type of reading is very different in some of the other readings because things are not going to be very general, even though in this deck there is definitely a general meaning of the cards. But since I'm doing the full reading, in this deck there's a fold-out with kind of a mandala and the cards are placed in four quadrants, and each quadrant represents a different aspect of uh, the human being. Uh, the first one being the body, and then also the mind, the emotions, and the spirit, and then in the very middle, which is represented as the heart. So, <clears throat> since this is more of an oracle type of reading, um, the questions that you pose are not yes or no questions or who questions. Um, the questions are more what, where, how, and why type of questions. And they pretty much focus on your life, your path, where you're going, um, not necessarily dwelling upon things of the past, even though the past helps us remember the path that we're on. Um, so I've already drawn the cards in relation to the question that you've asked, which is essentially about your life path through badass body workers. But I think more so that this is a question about your life path and where you personally are going. And since badass body workers is a creation of you, this is kind of the, uh, expression of you and what you're doing in your life. And this is your life path, your life journey and what you are contributing to society and community. Um, so um, we're going to start with the tonakatl, which is the body. And the card that was uh, drawn is the card of the deer. And the Toltecs call that masatl. And what it means for the tonakatl, which is the body, the material world, um, masatl which is the deer, the sacred deer in the body quadrant, means that it's time for you to prepare your body for your encounter with the Great Spirit. 
While this would be advisable for anyone who is going to undertake a quest for a vision, when you get this card there, it's a special emphasis on physical preparation and the strong impact it will have on your process. So essentially, when we think of this, we think about checking eating habits, see how they're working for you, what changes may be necessary. Um, you may find yourself climbing a mountain or walking for some hours in nature in the near future. So you need to make sure that you have enough movement and exercise. Um, your effort will be good not only for your body, but for your spirit as well, since you know, body, mind, spirit, heart, they're all interconnected. But you don't have to become an Olympic athlete in a short time. It will be enough that you learn to feel comfortable with your physical body for activities such as walking, hiking, dancing. But I think you already feel pretty comfortable in your own skin. I mean, essentially with, you know, all of the beautiful ink that you have all over your body and just the fact that you're this kind of outstated uh personality you have this you know this energy about you that is just so outgoing um the best space for you to reconnect with your body is amidst nature so you do activities outdoors as much as is reasonable for your uh in your current level of fitness uh but be especially careful when engaging in practices that are new for you also remember that even short periods of working out, if frequent, will help you more than very intense sessions that are practiced with no continuity. It's important that during your preparation activities that you remember why you are going through these efforts. It's for your own well-being, of course, but your actions will be more powerful. Uh, the results will be deeper and the effects wider if you keep um, Masatl, the sacred deer present in with what you are doing. So, you know, in, in a lot of traditions, First Nation people traditions, deer, uh, I mean, deer is actually my spirit totem for uh, the physical world and in nature. And if you notice the deer, the deer moves very lightly in nature, uh, but is very aware of the environment around them. But the deer has poor eyesight. So the deer can only lock on to movement. Um, their eyesight is poor, but their hearing and their sense of smell and their body sense is very, very attuned. And I think in a lot of spiritual practices, uh, we often forget that we are in this physical body and that we need to uh, keep it as fit as possible without, obviously, you don't need to become a gym rat or a Olympic athlete, but keeping yourself in shape by eating decent food, by, um, you know, consuming things that are better for your body instead of things that are not. But we all, we all get into excess and everything. We all want to drink a beer every now and then. We all want to smoke a cigarette or smoke some pot or do whatever, you know, these are the things that we just do, but just try to keep that in, in very light moderation. Um, because in most of the traditions, your body is how you connect into spirit. It's how you connect into the world around you. It's the presentation of your therapeutic self. And uh, in, in the Toltec traditions, uh, this author, Victor Sanchez, you know, he's Mexican. Um, he, he talks about 
um, and this is a tradition that I've that I've known about for a while, and and it's the uh, the blue deer, the sacred blue deer, um, and this is in the uh, Huichol and the Wiracara peoples um, of northern Mexico, uh, even the Oaxaca uh, Oaxacan Indians. Um, the, the blue deer represents um, kind of a uh, a search or a hunt for that higher awareness uh, through power plants. Uh, especially peyote, the peyote cactus. And every year, the Huichol people, what they do is they go out on on a, their sacred peyote hunt, which in their tradition, uh, they first found peyote, <clears throat> much like a lot of uh, the, the these evolutionary processes with um, uh, with with native peoples, how they came to be and how they came to be uh, more enlightened. I guess uh, to have a higher awareness of self is, you know, they, you know, they ate a cactus and then tripped balls <laughs> or they had a mushroom and they had this amazing experience. But for them, uh, they, as the, as the story goes, they were out hunting and um, because they were starving and uh, they came across this deer and they wanted to hunt this deer and this deer had a, had a, um, had a strange color to it. It was blue. And so they shot it with an arrow and it fell down dead, but it fell down dead right next to, uh, these cactus and the, and these cactuses did not have any thorns or spines on them. And so they decided, well, you know, we're hungry, so we might as well eat them. So they did. And they had, of course, their experience with the peyote and they brought this back to the people and <clears throat> it was used to, like with men, with much in the way of power plants and and sacred plants that they were, it was used to uh, bring them visions and bring them higher awareness so that they could better um, delegate in the tribe or to be a better uh, facilitator for for people who were sick and to just be, um, you know, more in tune in connection with the land around them and also through spirit because they believe that these power plants gave them a door of sight into the spirit world. So in this quadrant, the Masadal deer asks you to be more cognizant of your physical being and how you connect with um, the material world around you and being and present yourself with this, uh, this, this air of uh, or aspect of therapeutic self. But I think this is for you personally, because it really doesn't matter what you look like or anything like that. I mean, it's like, fuck what people think about you and and what you look like and everything like that. It's it's more for your personal, <clears throat> I don't know, I guess it's, it's more for your personal, um, oh God, I'm just totally losing my, my, my mind here. Um, I, I think in order for you to feel stable so that you can do the things that you want to do and make the decisions you need to make for your business and for everything else that, you know, having feeling good physically also means that you feel good mentally. Um, and so I think this is just reminding you that you are in this body, but it's a sacred body and this body can move through uh, the physical world uh, with grace, uh, like the deer does in the woods, but also being very uh, cognizant and aware 
of everything around you. Uh, even if you have one aspect of your senses that might not be working as properly as the others. Um, much like the deer who has poor eyesight, but can smell and feel and hear things from, you know, from a mile away. It's like they, they know what's coming uh, most of the time. They are a prey animal, so, you know, they kind of get the short end of the stick in a lot of ways. But in... Uh, in the Cherokee tradition, in my my ancestors' um, tradition, uh, the Cherokee revered the deer uh, and the antlers because they felt that the antlers was an extension of the deer's brain and their sense of awareness. And so the antlers meant a, a kind of a higher sense of awareness um, uh, to be able to receive uh, almost like a, an antenna receives a radio signal and that sort of thing. So... That is the reading for the body aspect of this quadrant. Okay, now we go to the next part of the quadrant, which is mati, which means mind. So this is the mind aspect of your reading. And the card that I drew was uh, malanali, which means herb. And there's a little poem here, or kind of a an affirmation that says, The goddess of the earth, Mayawel, carries the healing flowers and the poison thorns. You who have freedom, which ones will you choose? So the literal meaning of Malanali is twisted herb and refers to the maguey plant, uh, which is a plant that's very typical of the Mexican countryside. Its leaves grow in a curve as opposed to straight, hence its name, Malanali. Several kinds of alcoholic beverages are made from the maguey plant, primarily pulque, which later turned into mezcal, which later turned into tequila. Um, it was known as a nuetel uh, by the ancient peoples of Mexico. In the ancient uh, indigenous cultures of Mexico practiced uh, sacred inebriation <laughs> through the consumption of nuetel. Uh, psychoactive mushrooms or peyote in order to contact the sacred. So this kind of is getting us a, uh, uh, a support system for uh, what, what I just talked about with respect to the body and the deer and the sacred deer, the sacred blue deer that uh, helped uh, the people find peyote. So while any of these substances could induce uh, a psychotic experience, uh, psychotic uh, experience um, when used under the proper circumstances, um, and with sacred purpose, they could produce a spiritual vision. And this state was seen as the opposite of profane inebriation, which is what the Spanish and the English and all of the Euros kind of brought to the, to the Americas. Uh, most of our inebriation is very profane, where it's just for fun and just to get drunk and to loosen up and relax. These folks um, were inebriated in a sacred way, but it wasn't a, a constant process. They weren't, you know, partying all the time. Um, let's see. So, um, since you can't see the card, I'll send you pictures of the cards. So, um, 
In the image on the card, we see Maya Well, who is often represented as the goddess of inebriation, both the sacred and the profane. But that is only the superficial interpretation of this symbol, which became popular because of the difficulty the Spanish conquerors had in understanding its deeper meaning. What not many people know is that she was also the goddess of medicine and healing. Her power was manifested through the use of plant extracts and herbs by medicine men and women to heal the illnesses of the body and the soul. So on the card, Maya Well is seated on top of a turtle and a snake, animals who spend their life firmly attached to the earth. This means that she is deeply rooted and connected to the earth, and her power is the power of earth. In one hand, she holds a bowl with flowers, representing uh, the good medicine, the healing. And in the other, she carries thorns, symbolizing the bad medicine, the profane inebriation or poisons. In other words, used wisely, the power of herbs and plants may bring life, but used in the absence of the sacred, the same power can bring pain and death. And here we see again the ever-present Toltec awareness of the duality in everything. The energy of the herb is not good or bad, but the way we use it makes the difference. The experiences produced by the use of uh, perception-altering plants can bring learning and joy but if these powerful substances are not handled properly, they may cause sorrow and destruction. By the same token, the extracts of the plants could be used to produce medicine or to produce poison. That is the essential meaning of the flower and the thorns in the goddess's hands. So I think what this is also saying is that um, since Masatl and deer in the uh, body quadrant of this reading is saying you need to really search within and start getting your body prepared to have a vision to kind of go in this quest because maybe you're reaching a point in your life where, okay, you have questions about your uh, life and where it's going. You have questions about your business and your community uh, of therapists, primarily all female. It's like how can you... Um, how can you best navigate through this? How can you contribute? Uh, th these, are, these are questions that, that true medicine healers uh, ask themselves all the time whenever they're undertaking sacred stuff. It's the questions that I ask myself all the time when I got into this work uh, and decided to use this as part of a shamanic healing process for people who are traumatized uh, because I myself am traumatized. Um, so... This is also another reminder of, okay, the power that we have to seek out higher awareness and utilizing the things in the earth to help us with those answers. So this is kind of going in the direction of, okay, you're at a point where you don't know maybe which direction you want to go in. You want to move here, you want to move there, you're traveling here, you're traveling there. Um, are you going to be continually being a nomadic person, or are you going to uh, finally settle and create roots somewhere, or, or, or are you going, or is your life, you know, the path of the wanderer, you know, but of course that old saying, you know, not all wander who, you know, not all who wander are lost, but sometimes we need some clarity. Um, so in the mind quadrant, the mati, the mind, um, the work that you do. So Malanali in the mind quadrant uh, represents the, the inebriation of the mind. 
it's not related to the consumption of a substance, but to overthinking certain ideas that numb your perception and create illusions that will take uh, an energetic toll later. So, so obviously this is giving you a choice. You can overthink things or you can sit back and say, okay, I don't need to worry about that so much. Uh, that will just kind of unfold as it should. Um, this kind of thinking is like uh, physical drunkenness in the sense that it gives you some pleasure first and then some numbness. Then it alters your perception. And finally, it brings you to alienation and illness. The problem here is that while a bottle of alcohol can be seen uh, and a drunk person can be recognized easily most of the time, inebriation of the mind is not as obvious to the naked eye. Uh, you need your inner self, your inner eye, to recognize it. This kind of inebriation happens most often in one of two ways. One is where your mind tells you that you are the best of the best and you are above everyone else. Uh, that big ego thing. It is a fantasy of being so superior that you deserve everything from others, but they don't deserve anything from you. You need to have these kinds of thoughts over and over so that you can convince yourself. If the thoughts are stopped or their contents change, the effect does not remain. The other form of inebriation is when your mind is saturated with thoughts of worthlessness. You think that there is something essentially wrong with you. This is a very dangerous kind of mental drunkenness because it may lead the individual to inflict unconscious self-punishment and in some extreme cases to look for self-destruction, like excessive consumption of these substances to try to find meaning or, or uh, drinking too much alcohol just to kind of escape. Um, let's see. As happens with drunkenness of arrogance, this mind inebriation is also nurtured by self-importance, but in the modality of self-pity. This dangerous condition is sustained by thoughts that create the illusion of a reality. Uh, it is a nightmare from which you can awaken by stopping or changing the contents of your thinking. You can stop inebriating your mind in either of these modalities. Be aware that you cannot break this pattern just by thinking it would be good to stop it. You need action that can break that uh, malignant thinking device down. Uh, take action immediately by engaging in activities that do not match this kind of thinking. So the suggestion uh, questions that they pose here that Victor poses about about getting yourself kind of it's almost like that monkey mind thing. It's like oh, and and the inner critic. Um, sometimes this can be an inebriation of the mind. Whereas when you're doing power plants in a sacred way. Uh, you're inebriating the mind in a more focused way, in a way that kind of helps you to sort a lot of those things out. And it doesn't always—it's not always a benevolent thing. You're not always going to have that grand experience with uh, doing the power plant. So you know, just kind of really be careful about that, because sometimes the state of mind that you're in when you take those plants is what's going to be enhanced. And if that's the case, then you need somebody to kind of sit with you, somebody who's experienced that can help. Uh, guide your way through it, you know, without interfering too much. But anyway, the questions uh, that he says to kind of suggest to ask yourself, um, am I getting too full of myself? Uh, 
Am I presenting an arrogant self-image in front of others? Am I sustaining a self-pitying way of seeing life in myself? Do I think the same thought over and over and over again because I get the same secret pleasure out of it? Do I think the same thought over and over until I get numbed? What are the effects of that thinking pattern in my life? What activities can I do to diminish and then stop that kind of thinking? Um, so the suggested activities would be write down the thinking pattern that inebriates your mind. Read those written thoughts as if they were someone else's thoughts and then see what they are and what they do. Um, and devise a strategy to stop feeding your soul with that thinking pattern. Write down a list of activities that will not support that kind of thinking and start practicing those activities on a continual basis until that kind of thinking does not seduce you anymore. So I guess, I guess maybe um, with badass body workers and what you're trying to do, um, I guess there's always a sense of control because you want to uh, influence everything around you and you want to kind of have a, people to kind of attune to a way of thinking that you think uh, will be most beneficial for them. Um, but if people won't follow that way, if they won't do that specific thing, then it can get kind of frustrating. I'm not saying this is relative uh, to you, but it's just something that's coming up for me in this, especially when I teach. Um, you know, it's like I have these grand ideas. I I have these uh, philosophies that I think that will help people. And I put them out there, but people don't follow them. It's like, why the fuck aren't they following them? This will help them. But I, I can't get too attached to the outcome of what I'm putting forth. Just as maybe you cannot be so attached to the outcome of creating badass body workers and the groups and everything and just letting the people kind of do what they do. Because, you know, these are groups of of uh, self-expression and communication and advice when people feel they need it. Um, but, um, but anyway, maybe this has relevance or maybe it doesn't. So um, there it is with the mind aspect of this. And I will pause and we'll go to the next one. Okay, we get to the Third aspect of the quadrant, and that is Teoli, which means emotions. And the card that I drew was a card, uh, it's called Itzquintli. It means dog, literal dog, the canine. And the little affirmative uh, poem here says, I am the dog, I will show you the way. I will be faithful to you just as you must be faithful to the giver of life. So, um, Itzcointli is the name of a specific breed of dog that existed in Mexico a long time before the Spanish conquest. And the breed still exists, although it's considered to be rare and not as many people have them. They have dark, hairless skin, except on top of their head and at the end of the tail. They've got little tufts of fur there. So, in ancient times, um, this dog was found in the company of Toltec uh, princes, royalty, and shamans. Um, it was the symbol of the journey uh, to the separated reality of the shamanic trance in which the dog was considered to be the guide and company. As the one who travels with the shaman, the dog also represents the trace of consciousness that remains within the dreaming world and with any other experience when we move from the normal self into the other self, which is our magical side. So in the card image, uh, we see the shaman with his 
his double or energetic body coming out of his neck while he manipulates some sacred herbs. The footprint represents the shamanic journey and his double um, sim symbolically represented as the dog and is bringing offer to, uh, to a deity. So typically when we think of emotions, we also think of, a re of relationships, our relationships to people, to things, and everything. So it says here, if you got the dog in the quadrant of emotions and relationships, it is telling you that uh, you were called to show your loyalty or generosity to someone in a difficult moment in his or her life. For a moment, you will stop thinking about yourself and will offer a gesture of support and love towards someone else. This is a time to be generous, and you should know that what you have to do and for how long you will do it. Uh, set the frame of your generosity being clear with your own heart before you commit. Once you have come to terms with yourself, just do it. It's not even necessary that you announce to that person or others of what you're going to do. In some cases, uh, it could even be better to do it discreetly. In any case, it is important that you let your actions show what you want to do, not just your words. Loyalty is one of the highest expressions of love. It elevates your spirit and nurtures your heart. But authentic loyalty does not consist of automatically doing anything that the person you love asks you to do, if it goes against the truth of your heart. So loyalty is being loyal to others because you are loyal to your heart. If you learn to listen to your heart and not just to your mind, you will see that there is a place and a moment where both loyalties are just the same. A gesture of loyalty could be like a seed that you put in someone else's land. The seed is your gesture of loyalty and the land is that person's life. The seed will grow roots, then a tree, and in due time will bear fruits that will bring the energy of life to be shared by others. But never underestimate the power of loyalty and never again or never try to gain someone else's loyalty towards you. That is not the way it works. Loyalty is just another expression of love and happens with love. The power does not reside in how much love you can get, but in how much you can give. Think about it. So, <clears throat> I don't know if this would have any bearing on, on, you know, the groups that you lead and everything, but... But you obviously do have loyalty to um, the women that you influence and the people that you uh, give advice to and inspiration to by doing the card readings and that sort of thing for them. There is this loyalty that you have to this group and to this uh, idea that you have. So you're very loyal to the ideas and the philosophies that you put forth to people. And sometimes that... Uh, you know, you express that um, specifically to certain people. Maybe people ask you questions, you know, they call you up and they say, hey, I'm having a problem. Can you help me with this? And blah, 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 and all that. And so so you're a very loyal person and a very generous person in, in this uh, in this aspect. Um, what comes up for me with this in the other quadrants is because this is your journey, this is your personal journey, that maybe... Um, Loyalty sometimes needs to be turned inward to yourself, and um, and then of course, the uh, the the things and people and living things that you have close to you that show loyalty to you. So, 
I could think of this as kind of a mirroring where you're showing this loyalty to people, but maybe you're not getting that in return. And that's just kind of a, that's just kind of the way it is with, with healers and practitioners. We do the work and we don't really expect much in return, but there needs to be some sort of reciprocation. We'd like to see that loyalty uh, reflected back to us. But if we constantly are expecting it, if we are constantly craving it, um, we're setting ourselves up to have, um, you know, bad expectations, you know, um, and or well, or actually being resentful. Uh, uh, I've always said that uh, that having expectations are just premeditated resentments, but um, but. I would say to not overextend the loyalty, you know, say what needs to be said, do what needs to be done, and then and then detach from it and see what happens. This is a thing that I teach in the workshops called compassionate disengagement by where you do the work, uh, regardless of whether it is whether you're doing a reading for people, or you're uh, making a statement on badass body workers groups, or you're doing a podcast and everything, you do it, and then you just let it go. You know, don't worry about the outcomes of it. If it was a good podcast or a bad one, uh, if what you said was received by people or or not, you know, if if sometimes a seed you plant doesn't grow, sometimes you know, and that's no fault of your own, but you're still you're still loyalty to those ideas that you're putting forth, which are very important. Um, but try, but but th- this was this would be my thing, and that is to not completely overextend yourself uh, because sometimes people will latch on to that loyalty and start to drain and sap you and and then the relationships that you have with people start to falter and uh, because you get wrapped up in their shit and you've got your own shit to deal with so that's my take on that we get to the fourth quadrant in just a sec while I read up on it Okay, we get to uh, Teotl, which is the spirit, which is the uh, fourth and final quadrant before we get to the middle for heart. Um, the card that I drew was uh, is uh, called Tekpatl, which means flint. So Tekpatl is a carved flint with the shape of a knife. In the everyday life of the Toltec, the Tekpatl was used for any task that would require a knife as a symbol of uh, the, the Tonal Puhuali, which were the uh, spiritual people, uh, the uh, Tekpatl represents awareness. Um, in the card image, we see a shaman with the symbols of self-sacrifice in his left hand and the symbol of a hekatol uh, in a big pendant on his chest. Uh, on top, we see a sky full of carved flints, signifying how everything concerning the individual is connected with the higher realms of the cosmos. From these higher realms, a protective hand descends. This means that the shaman is protected because of the development of his higher awareness. So, so flint on the spirit quadrant is a call for you to develop your soul in a more dedicated way than you have done so far. Hmm. This means one of two things. Either you have not paid attention to your soul development because you have been too busy with the basics of life, <laughs> work, money, partner, family, etc. Or the time has arrived for you to devote yourself to your soul development 
on a more organized and effective way. The form and content of your spiritual life so far are like a crude flint that has no beauty or edge, and its power is still hidden. You have made a beginning, but now you must demand more of yourself in terms of the time that you have to dedicate your spiritual life to and your practice. If something is not working for you anymore, leave it. If you need to incorporate something new, go for it. Take the risk. Try. And if you make mistakes, welcome and learn from them. Take a look at your life. Is it balanced and full of energy, or is it dull, confusing, or clumsy? Are you one with a great spirit, or are you lost? Whatever your answers are, Tekpatl in the Teotl, which is the flint in the spirit quadrant, is calling you to the quest for higher awareness. Pray, undertake a spiritual retreat, make a pilgrimage, make offerings to the great spirit, and follow through on those offerings in your everyday life. Search for, learn, or invent the practices that will enhance your awareness and bring you closer to great spirit. Be sure to follow up on this until uh, the strength and clarity of your connection with the giver of life um, is like a knife. Sorry, I read that wrong. Um, be sure to follow up on this and until the strength and clarity of your connection with the giver of life is like a knife, able to cut through the limitations of a life based on fear or self-importance. Work and develop your heart, and then sustain your efforts so that they open the way for your soul to pass into a perennial state of connectedness with spirit. So, um, I think of this as just um, the final support system for all the other card placements here, which is essentially, you're at a crossroads, you have questions about your life, and where you're going with your business, with your community, and everything else. And this is telling you to uh, really connect into your spirituality and whatever that is. Um, you know, it can be anything. If you're non-denominational, if you're not uh, connected to any one particular type of spirituality, that's fine. I think we all, uh, in our agnostic way, uh, especially for us, we tend to kind of seek out those spiritual things. We talked about this in the podcast, remember, about how people who um, look for identity and self-worth in the spiritual practices of other Native cultures, because we ourselves don't really have much of an identity. But the secret is, is that we do. We, it's just been lost within us because we are just such a mixing hodgepodge of so many different things, but that is part of our identity. So... Um, I think this is asking you to uh, really look into that spiritual connection that you have and uh, seek out that vision. Seek it out. Okay, so we get to the final part of this quadrant, which is in the middle, which is Yolotl, which means the heart. This is the culmination of all of these cards that were pulled for you into the final uh, message from the oracle. Um, and the card that was pulled was uh, Tonatiu, which is the father-son. And it reads as follows. The son is one of the most important sacred figures of the spiritual vision of the Toltec. It is often called father-son because it is part of the sacred a couple, Mother Earth and Father Son, which gives life to all the living beings on our planet. 
the sun is also the sun of the fire, and that is called Grandfather Fire. Uh, Grandfather Fire is the oldest and most powerful of the Podieros, which are the, I guess, the, um, the, the gods of the Toltecs. But in the view of the, Wira, uh, the Wirarika, uh, which, are the, which are the Toltec peoples, uh, the sun's power rivals that of fire. While the fire can bring light in any moment in any place, the light from the sun reaches much farther, covering the entire land, even though it can only shine in the daytime. The Aztecs uh, adopted the sun as their symbol and associated it with military power. Inspired by the sun, they acquired the strength to overcome all the difficulties they encountered during their long pilgrimage to find uh, Mexico Tenochtitlan in 1325 AD. Uh, the Pyramid of the Sun in Teotihuacan is the famous calendar, oh, and the famous calendar, the Stone of the Sun, testify to the importance of the Tonatiu in ancient Mexico. In the card image, the sun pours out blood into the world, meaning that the sun is the beaming life energy into the world. The result is seen in the corn basket on the bottom. The life energy coming from the sun turns into the food that sustains the living beings on the planet. In the uh, center, the two faces of the self, Tonal and Nagual, are represented to imply that the eternal duality is present in this sacred connection. And the meaning in the oracle reading in the very middle, getting the Tonatio card means that all you are seeing and all you will be doing should be inspired by the sun's sacred task, bringing light into darkness. The most remarkable feature of the sun is its capacity to give light. In spiritual terms, the light of the sun represents life, warmth, clarity, enthusiasm, nurturing, answers, joy, understanding, power, strength, embracing, all positive concepts. Getting Tonatiu at the center of your reading is a reminder that whoever you are in any moment and any place, Father Son is always with you, making an effort to bring out the new day. No less important, getting the sun at the heart of your reading tells you that in order to accomplish all the visions, realizations, and tasks that you're getting from the reading, you have to fully acknowledge your own luminous nature as a child of the sun. You have to realize that you have the same task as your father son has, bringing light into darkness. It doesn't matter what kind of darkness you may be facing, your own or that of others, your task is the same. Remember that you are made of dust and light. You are a little sun. Wherever you go and whatever you do, make sure to support the light. This way, your everyday life becomes one with the life of your Father, and your efforts uh, support its efforts, overcoming darkness and bringing out a new day. This is not just a figure of speech. When you practice bringing light into the world, when you learn to keep this sacred connection present in your life, this vision becomes more powerful and influential than the ideas you get from television, family, and society in your everyday life. This vision about your own nature and your sacred task provides a happier and more powerful meaning for your life. And that feels so good. So do not forget it.
Okay, badasses, that's what I have for you today. If you have any other tips or tricks or ideas, please be sure to send them over to me at badassbodyworkers at gmail.com or send me a voice memo on Facebook. 